Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everyone. This is the very first live edition. What's up, guys? Uh, no, so this is the very first live version, which means we're going to be dealing with your shenanigans this whole time, but you're, you're going to be dealing with ours as well. Um, but yeah, we're here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love it if you give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show, and please review as well. Go ahead and subscribe to Zach's channel here, too, because anytime we're going to go live, this will probably be where it happens. Thank you for joining us. Today, you could probably guess what we're going to talk about. That's right. The Colts and Eagles finally got this deal done. Uh, the Colts sent this year's third-round pick and either a second or first-round pick next year in exchange for Carson Wentz. Uh, the 2022 pick is currently a second rounder, but becomes a full first if Wentz plays 75% of the offensive snaps this year, or if he plays 70% and the Colts make the playoffs, seems pretty likely that it's going to turn into a first. Uh, we're also, of course, going to answer the questions that you guys sent us in on Twitter already and the ones that you bring up here as well. We'll, we'll get to those. Uh, I obviously filtered through a lot of these because the trade happened this morning. We've been asking for questions the last couple of days. So if your question is a, is irrelevant by now, we'll probably skip it or we'll just answer it at some point while we're talking. But before we get started, first, we're drinking a little bit tonight. We're going to have a couple <laughs> beers. So I said I was going to drink good beer. I got one good beer. I lied. I thought I had others. So I've got this and then a couple Miller Lite on deck. Zach, what do you got rocking that you uh, you teased a little bit earlier? All right. You guys did a poll on Twitter where I said I would drink a shitty mango beer. It's actually peach. So still awful. But it's I got better. Southern Peach Jack Daniels beer. Uh, my wife bought these a couple weeks ago. She had half of one and then she couldn't finish it because it was so bad. So I've been the one slowly finishing it, and I've only really drank them when I've been like completely wasted <laughs> the last few weeks. So <laughs> this is the like the second time I've drank this sober, and all I remember is it's some of the worst tasting beer I've ever had. Like, it's a it lot is- easier to drink when you're already hammered. Mm-hmm. So indie people, you're gonna recognize this. <laughs> <laughs> I've so- got we we Mac from Sun King. It is a nice little Scottish style ale. It's a lot easier drinking one than just some of the black tar ones you come across. This is basically black tar. So everyone, yeah, sweet. (laughs) So everyone, it's like sweet black tar is what it is. Sweet black tar. Yeah, just not doing black tar heroin. I promise. (laughs) So everyone, before we get into our commercial break, why don't you go ahead and you have a drink? You go ahead and get your beer as well. 
and then we will serenade you with this commercial. All right, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. I plan on getting my betting hands strong next NFL season, but I might have to torch some money on BetOnline on basketball and baseball this summer to get my game strong. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV if you're into that. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Sorry, this beer is just killing me right now already. (laughs) Uh, Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys. So again, this is our first live one. Uh, this is going to go onto the normal podcast as well. So if you're listening to this instead of seeing this, that's a bummer. So we're probably going to make a lot of visual references in, <laughs> in this show. Uh, the only talking point today kind of wiped everything out. We're going to push it to next week. Just one. We got Carson Wentz today. So again, we mentioned what the price was and everything. Um, uh, I think the fan base is pretty much divided right down the middle. <laughs> I just have a big forehead, okay? That's what we're covering up here, not the bad hair. I don't have he, much hair. He lives in the mid-Atlantic region. He's allowed to, to root <laughs> for the Nationals. No, but uh, Carson Wentz, I, I think the fan base is pretty much divided down the middle. Uh, you either hate it because you think Wentz is broken and toast, or you love it because the quarterback saga is finally over for the year already. You know the name Carson Wentz, and it's someone who has had some—that's <laughs> some success uh, before. But yeah, that's—I I think we've all been hearing about that all day. Uh, no matter how you look at it, it's possible for him to be successful here. Is it probable? We don't know. Um, but the whole NFL world seems to think if it is—if he's going to resurrect his career anywhere, it seems like it would be here. So. Zach, you already, since you're a psychopath, you already like watched a bunch of film and wrote an article today. What did you see? Yes, I have already written, I think, 1,500 words on Carson Wentz, and there's probably hundreds of thousands coming on, on this dude. Maybe I'll do something like Wentz Wednesdays or something and just write something on Carson Wentz. Like, I don't know. There's going to be a lot coming on Carson Wentz. But honestly, I focused on one thing today, and that was the, the RPO style of – what the Eagles did with, with Carson Wentz and, and the RPO style that he was successful with. Cause in uh, 2018 and 2019, I believe the Eagles were second and third. I think so 2018, they were third or second 2019. They were third in the NFL in RPO usage. Uh, so they used a lot of RPOs and, and uh, you know, two six, he was having some success in, in doing those. So I think if you can kind of get him, who is a, he's a mobile quarterback, he's good with the one read stuff where he doesn't have to really go through his progressions. You can kind of get uh, the offense moving a bit. And honestly, in 2018 with the Colts, Andrew Luck did a lot of that. And we saw a lot of success uh, from the Colts doing that. So uh, I, I think if you can kind of get Wentz back to the RPO style with the Colts and you can kind of get this Colts offense that has a lot of guys who can fit with RPOs, you know, you can get nine pines out in space on like some bubbles and tunnel screens get Michael Pittman using his size on slants across the middle. Uh, all these kind of things that you can do with the personnel the Colts have. I think you can have a good RPO uh, system here with Carson Wentz and the Colts. 
Yeah, I got asked today on a show about maybe some of the differences we might see in yeah, Wentz Wednesdays. Uh, Wednesday. Some of the differences we might see in Philip Rivers versus Carson Wentz. I think the variety of the playbook might open up a little bit more because you can obviously do more mobile RPO stuff. Even when Andrew Luck was doing that, he really wasn't running all that much. There's the threat he can move, whereas Philip Rivers could not, you know. So there might be more variety. But as far as variety in the passing game, maybe not so much because I think Philip knows how knows how and will and can do just about anything. Wentz has the much stronger arm. Like, don't don't get me wrong at all. Um, but for instance, you, you heard earlier when Ben Solak was on Mina Kimes show, those shallow crossers and some of those things that are such staples in the Frank Reich offense, we might not see this year. And that could be huge damage for like Michael Pittman, who that that's where his bread was buttered all season, you know, uh, his bread was <laughs> sorry. <I'm... laughs> oh yeah. You haven't heard that. I haven't eaten much today and I drink a little beer, dude. I'm going to be a little tipsy on this podcast. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you have to get your stomach pumped after this one. I am. <laughs> Sorry, no, I heard, I heard that's like, that was his bread and butter, but I've never heard that's where his bread's been buttered. <laughs> Man, I, I have some country thing. roots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's some Midwestern shit. But uh, no, have did you notice any of that? Like when, when you watched him, did they just kind of eliminate a lot of that that meshy stuff and the slants and crossers and the manipulation of, of the field that way? Uh, I would say that there were a good amount of slants, uh, especially from Alshon Jeffrey in 2018 and 2019. You know, he was able to use that that big frame that he has to to basically box out corners on the outside. Uh, so when you got that RPO game going, you can have Jeffrey kind of just crossing the face of of a corner and, and kind of get that easy completion. Um, but basically what the Eagles did different than the Colts is the Colts with their RPO scheme, like to, you know, if they had spacing between uh, T.Y. Hilton and a corner, they knew Hilton could get out of his break quick enough and they would hit him on RPO. Uh, you know, the Colts, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to get to receivers. They wanted to get playmakers in RPOs where the Eagles like to get it to their tight ends. They liked getting it to Zach Ertz and Trey Burton. And and later on, Dallas Goddard is where they really like to get the RPOs to. So I'm kind of curious to see where that mesh is there. But, uh, yeah, I, with the, the crossers and stuff, from what I've seen, there is an issue with that. It's it's not necessarily that he – like it's hard throw to make because it's not. It's a crosser. You know, it's, it's like right in front of the line of scrimmage there. Some of them are like three or four yards average depth. Uh, the issue is on the short ones, he's he's not leading receivers. He's not helping them create yards after catch. And then there's a lot of times where he just simply doesn't throw them. Uh, and I think that's what Ben was saying on me and his podcast. And it wasn't something I was specifically focusing on, but I did kind of notice it in my periphery. Like, okay, he's he's not throwing these crossers for some reason. I don't know why. I Again, there, there was a lot of mental and mechanical breakdowns with Wentz last year. Uh, even in 2019, going into last year, there was a lot of those mental and mechanical breakdowns too. So it's definitely something I need to jump in the film with a little bit more and really get a full grasp about grasp of. But yeah, there was I, I think everything Ben said was was right on point. Ben, you know, Ben is one of the most long winded and coming from us, you know, Ben yeah. <laughs> coming from us, Ben is one of the most long winded and smart people out there when it comes to football. So I completely agree with what he was saying from what I saw and. And, uh, you know, he, he said it much better than I could even say it. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> Nate, you're just in time, buddy. 
We didn't, I should do not it like a quarterback over Carson Wentz next year. Yeah, That's we're it. discussing that soon. Um, <laughs> no, so the, the quarterback riddle for this year at least seems to be solved. I think the good idea, of course, is to make sure that offensive line is is solid. You have to get that left tackle filled. Um, Got to build around him and give, an, give him every opportunity to succeed this year now, basically. Uh, I, I saw that you mentioned in free agency coming from his tape that they've got to get they've got to get someone who can stretch the field and go downfield. You and I have already discussed. We don't think they might get one of those 17, 18, 20 million uh, a year receivers. So who who would you be targeting? And, you know, keep in mind, Nelson Aguilar is also, you know, someone he's familiar with and also a free agent. What kind of guys out there? Maybe not the high price guys, but who, who might you be targeting? Uh, you know, I think that you can see you have to see someone who can get vertically, but it can't be someone who's like a small vertical receiver. You know, it can't be like like T.Y. Hilton kind of, you know, T.Y. Hilton yeah. where he's a guy who who could win vertically and at his, in his prime would beat anyone vertically. And, you know, honestly, he's not that anymore. But even prime T.Y. Hilton's not the kind of guy that I'm talking about. You want a guy who can win vertically but also can climb the ladder and, and get up there. And, and you know, Michael Pittman can be that, but I think you want to see him in more of a all-around role. You know, you want to see him be a guy who can win on those, those underneath routes, those intermediate and deep routes. Uh, you don't want him just to be, kind of be the guy you send deep. So a guy like Tyrell Williams makes a lot of sense. You know, he worked with with Frank Reich years ago and uh, with the Chargers. Uh, I think Marvin Jones makes a ton of sense that they want to go a little bit more expensive. Uh, Marvin Jones has been doing it for years. He would he would win deep with Matthew Stafford, throw it up, and he would climb the ladder and get a nice catch. And and uh, Aguilar, too. I think Nelson Aguilar makes a lot of sense. Uh, he, he had a great season last year with the Raiders. I know, you know, the, the name Nelson Aguilar kind of has a bad stigma to it, but uh, he he was outstanding last year with with the Raiders and he was their be- probably their best receiver, yeah, probably their best receiver outside of you know Darren Waller's a tight end slash receiver. But uh, yeah, I could see any three of those guys being a good fit. But I don't think we're gonna see like an Allen Robinson or or even someone like here. I'll put it up there. I don't think we'll even see someone like Curtis Samuel because Curtis Samuel I think will be a little higher, uh, more expensive. I think teams like you know like Washington will probably overpay a little bit for a guy like that. Uh, so. I think it's going to be one of those kind of veteran type receivers that they can get maybe close to the $10 million a year range, maybe a little bit lower than that. Tyrell Williams would obviously be a lot lower than that. Uh, but I just think you need a bigger guy who can get down the field, climb the ladder and, and win that way. Cause Wentz loves to throw those jump balls down the field. And, and you know, that's the fun part of Carson Wentz. He's going to, he's going to throw those jump balls down the field. It's not, it's not kind of like Jacoby Brissett where Brissett just won't throw it. Wentz will we'll throw it out there, and it's going to be some chaotic fun regardless of what happens. So <laughs> I, I think getting – oh, here's a good one. Corey, Corey Davis would be the one yeah. that if you want to spend a little bit more on it, if you want to go into like the 12 or 13 range maybe, that's a guy who I could see. Uh, we got some other fun ones coming in here. We got Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller could be a fun one uh, depending on where he's – he, he's interesting because he had that suspension at the end of the year. Yeah. So he's I'm, interesting where he's out. I'm out on Will Fuller because when he's on the field, he's been really productive. So it might earn him a nice price tag, but I don't think he's ever had a full season. I'm he's I'm real iffy on him. Corey Davis, I really like uh, the show I was on today was a Titan show. Uh, so they mentioned just they, they have too many free agents with not enough cash. Uh, so there there will be guys like Corey Davis available. Someone uh, Mahina on there said Johnu Smith. Um, yeah, right there. 
So those, you know, those are decent options. Uh, Johnny Smith. Lots. We got a lot of stuff coming in right now. Oh yeah. yeah. I can already see how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. We might as well. We should probably get to those uh, scripted questions here so- shortly. Yeah. We'll um, get to one, them here one thing. <laughs> yeah. One thing I was going to ask your opinion on though is I I said earlier today on Twitter they got Wentz sure and, they, and some decent capital they spent on it. But I don't think that totally means they're just going to neglect the quarterback position if something comes about. You know, we both we both could see why they would like someone like Kellen Mond, for example. That's a guy who might need to sit a year or two, and you're probably not going to get him until like the third round, or you know, not this year. Um, even though they probably will recoup some of those picks, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, th- do you? If they see someone they like in the middle rounds, I don't think just getting Carson Wentz takes them out of the young quarterback department. Yeah, I, I could see them liking someone in the middle rounds. I, I just think ultimately, and this might just be my own opinion. Maybe maybe the rest of the league is is thinking I'm stupid on this, but I think this is a terrible quarterback class. <laughs> like I think you've got the top four guys who are really good and could be really really good uh, quarterbacks. Then you got Mac Jones who probably in the right system can be a good quarterback. Then you kind of get to the in, somewhat interesting, your know, Davis Mills and, and Kellen Mond are, are interesting, but you know, how good are they going to be? Or are they just going to kind of be backups? You will throw that one up there too. And then you got your Kyle Trask, who's going to be like a Mason Rudolph type outside of that. I don't think there's anyone even worth drafting in this class. So why was it? Yeah, in a regular year, maybe, and maybe a guy like Kellen Mond or Davis Mills makes sense. But, you know, you have Jacob Eason on the roster. You can go in free agency and maybe get, you know, like, I'm trying to think of someone who would be a decent backup type to Wentz. I don't know, some kind of journeyman vet that can move a little bit so you have a similar type of a thing. And, like, if, if a Marcus Mariota were a free agent, like that kind of type, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. If, if Cam Newton weren't Cam Newton, like Cam Newton type, you know, that, that kind of stuff is your backup. But uh, I, I think Eason is fine as a young guy for at least this year. Depending on how he develops, you might go mid or, or early round pick the next year. But uh, I could see, you know, it's going to probably be Carson Wentz, and I could see them kicking the tires on some kind of veteran. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, but I think they could bring in some kind of veteran to be the backup. Yeah, I, I think the perfect chaotic situation for the fans and everyone – would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Oh, R- because, or RG3. Because, oh, <laughs> that, that would be such a full circle thing. Oh, here with, we go. With, Tyrod. I, I have always liked that. That Ty, Tyrod has always gotten a bad rap, I think. Not even a bad rap, just like I think he's always I think he's always deserved a little more of an opportunity, you know. Um, but no, Ryan Fitzpatrick, because we've talked about the 70, 75% thing. If when if Wentz is if Wentz is playing like cheeks and they need to get him out there out of there because they don't want to give up that first round pick, who better than to throw in for Ryan Fitzpatrick? And then from a chaos point of view, there would be people calling from for Ryan Fitzpatrick from day one. So you would just have this whole freaking battle, half first half, let Wentz play, get Fitzpatrick in there. I would love the chaos that that would bring. All right, so here's what you do. Bring in Fitzpatrick, right? And here's how you keep that pick a second rounder while the team is still good. Uh, You you have Wentz play the first three quarters of every single game. And then in the fourth, you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He finishes it off the game, 
And then by the end of the year, that's I think that's right below the 75% or whatever. So it wouldn't be – unless you make the playoffs, then it would be a first-round pick. But Tommy Reese style. I love there it. We do. Yeah, he, he's the Tommy Reese to the Wentz's awfulness, whoever the other guy was at Notre Dame who was bad. I can't remember his name. Nate, I love you. Nate said, Johnny football, let's get weird. <laughs> I love it. Hey, did you see him win in the fan-controlled uh, football game, whatever whatever that was? Fan. His numbers were weird. If if what I saw was correct, his numbers in that game were odd. We can go with a retired baseball player in Tim Tebow. Oh, okay. Baseball Hall that, of Fame. That'll let all of our parents on Facebook really glow, and they would love that pick more than anything. All right, so I think it is. Time. I think it's time. Oh, you know what? Someone mentioned this, and you'd be a perfect person to ask about it. So uh, there was a lot of other players and stuff rumored in the trades. Uh, Zach Ertz seemed like a pretty good connection to make. Now, do you think that's still probably – do you think that's still a probability? Not only does it give Wentz some comfortability with someone he had just played with those last four years, but it also gives the Colts a position they could use more depth in it at – uh, a tight end. Yeah, so I think with the acquisition of Wentz, I don't know if they're going to be pursuing a trade for Zach Ertz anymore. Uh, if Ertz is eventually Not released, trade, which, yeah. yeah, which you know, if he is released, which uh, there was a report today that said by March, if he's not traded, he will request his release. So there's a very real possibility that that just ends up being a uh, you know a release thing for Zach Ertz. If he's released, I would put money on him coming to Indy. It just makes so much sense. He wants to be here. Uh, he wanted to be here before Carson Wentz came over here. Now having Carson Wentz, Frank Reich, Press Taylor, Grow, you know, all these guys that he's played with, uh, I think that just makes a ton of sense. But through the trade route, say he gets traded to someone else, or if you know if some other team offers like a fourth or a fifth or something like that for him, uh, then I then I think that'll that'll end up being where he goes. But uh, when I did my report, I said that the Colts would be interested. Uh, they they have been confirmed to be interested through a couple other sources. Uh, but I did say there were going to be other teams in there. Like I knew at the time when I reported that the Seahawks were going to be interested and the Packers. And now there's a report today saying that um, I think the Chargers are interested, which is an interesting one to me. So that, that tells me they are planning on losing Hunter Henry then. Yeah, I'm guessing, which Hunter Henry would be a fun fit. I mean, he could probably do all the same stuff. Yeah, I felt the same thing. If If they're not going to spend big money on a wide receiver, maybe they go expensive tight end. All right, so we need, to answer this we need to answer this one question real quick because people are loving this. Here, here we go. This one right here from Lil Nug. What number? Because yeah. I've seen this asked like seven times in the comments there. So what number do you think you should wear, Jake? Like, do you have any aesthetic that you want him in? Uh, you know, I think I like Pittman in the 11. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to see him stay there. I don't want to see him in 12 because, you know, I, it's not always the player's decision, but like I hate when I see a legendary player's number given away so quickly. Like, and DeMichael Harris deserves that 12, damn it. 17 might be a decent one, UK. Um, I'm 10. trying to think of what numbers are available. You got a lot of 10s. People just want to take uh, Jacob Eason's number 10. from him. <laughs> I think well, I want to go with like number Eason's, Eason's nine. Der, oh, uh, he's nine. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, we can't. We can't replace Derisa's number that quick. Come on, it's too soon. 
<laughs> 10 would be a nice number. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice even round number. Yeah. It look 10 is my God. Everyone wants 10. I would say either 10 or just go something wonky, like number one or number two is what I would kind of go with. Like just give them that single digit, like really low number. I think two would be a fun, fun look, but Tim uh, couch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, same exact player. He should refuse to play until he's given number 18. There we go, Kevin, with me. Number one. <laughs> Give him one. Yes. What was his number at NDSU? I think it was 11 as well. Oh, well, damn it. At the end of the day, he's probably going to wind up with 11. I think we all know that. Uh, I don't. I guess what would Pittman go back to? Would he go back to, like, in the 80s again? Um, oh, Rodrigo's number one. Who's number two? Oh, Rodrigo's number two. Yeah, he didn't take number two from Rodrigo. Like, come on. We'll, we'll no, just... I think – is he two or three? Oh, is he three? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know me. I can't even get their names right half the time. Yeah, that's true. Let me see. I want to see here. You can you can just talk to the fans here while I look up Wentz's college number. Yeah, someone mentioned you can't replace McAfee's number. <laughs> oh, Rigo's two, McAfee's one, and Rodrigo's yeah. three. That's what it is. A- 86 was his his camp number initially, but that's that's tight endish to me. It's we ugly. really need we really need Jay on this thread to tell us about the numbers, but I think <laughs> 86 is too big. Yeah, I mean, Wentz, he's a bigger receiver, but Wentz man. was 11 in college. Okay. We really need to get this rig rolling. We're going on to our everything's numbers. Next. I don't even know. <laughs> I know, guys. I'm not good at math. This is this is not good for me. We're going on to our next advertisement. We have a brand new advertiser for you guys. Uh, we're going to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether it's the rare dead stock or their latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay. And I'm going to break a personal rule of mine because I have a weird thing where I hate the word sneaker in reference to shoes. But I'm going to say sneaker a couple times here and I'm going to feel gross about it. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators, which, holy hell, that's hard for me to keep saying, verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. So those shoes are legit when they get to you. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 plus making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Sneaker seller is the sketchiest title I've ever heard anyone be given in my life. If someone <laughs> called me a sneaker seller, I would ask them to pull up. Lucas, I am trying to load up your DM right now, I promise, but it's, it's, oh, oh, I see it. Oh, okay. This is how Twitter illiterate I am, even though I've been on Twitter for like 10 years. Like I was trying to scroll because I thought it was like a blank picture, but no, he's got Wentz in a number 10. Let me see. Look at that. That looks better. That looks better. I think he's going to be number 10. I I think that's probably what it's going to be. But Terrence Wilkins was number 10 the second time he came back to the Colts. 
I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's before your time. I just outdated you grossly there. All right, so we're going to our already asked questions on Twitter. Uh, first one is from Jose J. Hernandez. Thoughts on whether the negative traits of Carson Wentz can be corrected or improved should the preseason take place in normal conditions? Also, getting Wentz, say, now he asked this before the trade went down, say that means losing this year's second, which it actually losing this year's third. What's your dream draft for the Colts? So first things first, are Carson Wentz's negative traits correctable? First off, to start with Sean's question here, uh, you know, you can reach out to us at, at what, what's the email again that you always say at the end? Believe in Colts at gmail.com. And that's B-L-E-A-V. Not like I believe in you, but. Yeah. And yeah. add a couple zeros in there and we'll be good. We'll read your resume. I'll, dude, I'll read yeah. anything you want me to for enough money. I'm, I'm a Money seller. talks, Sean. Many t- <laughs> I don't know if you watch Scrubs, but nobody yeah. cares, Sean. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> starting with uh, Eason's uh, negative Not traits. Eason, Wentz. Or Not Eason. Eason. Darn it. We always talk about Eason's negative traits. Talking about you just Wentz's pissed off five traits. people on Twitter right there. All five of the E-stands, e which, by the way, is the greatest name ever. Like, I love that they call themselves the E-stands. But That's anyway, horrible. anyway, Carson Wentz's negative traits. So I've seen the comparison a lot lately to – Philip Rivers 2019 to Carson Wentz 2020 and how Rivers was quote unquote fixed into going into 2020 and the Colts are able to fix him. So why can't they fix Carson Wentz? Well, I think they're completely different situations. Philip Rivers was purely a gunslinger type quarterback, like losing basically every bit of physical, not like every bit, but lost a lot of his physical ability and was on a really, really awful team. And he still had that gunslinger mentality. Where when you look at Carson Wentz, that was a bit of an issue too, where that gunslinger with a bad team, and that's why some of the interceptions were up. But we kind of saw, oh, it was Nate that came up with these stands. I thought they came up with it. <laughs> but Wait, did you see, Hold on. Did you see? <laughs> His number one worst trait is being a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but when you look at what Wentz, what, wrong, what went wrong with Wentz last year, I think a big part of the issue was not the not the physical part. Like he still has all the physical ability. We saw those flashes where he was making plays as he was getting hit. He was still running RPOs and getting big gains with his legs. The big issue was his mental and mechanical breakdown. His mechanics, I mean, if you look at his release, and I think it's been an issue for most of his career, but it feels like it really reverted back to kind of where it was when he came out of college, where it was a very elongated release, kind of coming down, sidearm, uh, these, it was just that delayed action there that would you know, create the ball coming out a little bit slower, which hurts your ability on the field. And then the mental aspect where he was holding onto the ball in the pocket so much, uh, he wasn't feeling pressure whatsoever in the pocket, very loose with the ball in the pocket. So it's, it's a lot of compounded issues from the mental and mechanical standpoint. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, exactly right here. You send him to Tom house right away. Yes. Uh, I think that is the number one, like he should already be in Tom house's facility, like at this moment, because Build him they, back up from, from the ground up. Yeah. Because that, that release you need to fix, you need to release his footwork. There's a lot of images going around where, you know, his feet are pointing one direction. The ball's going the other way. That that's a huge no, no playing quarterback from the little bit I know about uh about playing quarterback that's that's a little bit that I know right there but 
yeah, he just needs a complete mechanical workaround, and then he needs to have more trust in his offense. I feel like a lot of the issue was, and you know, we saw a lot of reports coming out about the mental aspect of what was going on last year, where guys were open and he wasn't pulling, he wasn't throwing it for for whatever reason. He wasn't throwing those drags and crossers. Uh, the big thing he needs to buy into is this offensive system this year. And, you know, sometimes you can take that drag or you can take that crosser and you can get the ball out quick and create those yards after catch. So I think there's a lot of hurdles for him to overcome where when it comes to someone like Phillip Rivers, there weren't really many hurdles. He just needed to get on a better team because the mental aspect was still there. He still could, you know, call a million plays at the line of scrimmage, dissect what was going on on the defense and get the ball out quickly. Uh, so and we saw that last year, like all that stuff kind of came back to him. Worth Wentz, you just need that complete retooling and you had to complete restructure his mechanics and also his mental a- aspect of his game. Yeah, that's that that'll that'll definitely be big. I'm looking down here too. Yeah, Eason is working with Tom House as well. So yeah, he will have a friend, but yeah, <laughs> they, can, they can bring lunches and, and walk into yeah. the facility together. Yeah, there you I, go. They'll compete with each other. But no, I, I think whether he's bad or not, I think he'll be better than last year because, number one, it can't really get worse. Number two, uh, he's going to have – he's going to be in an offense that wants to run the ball. And Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he was just third in the league in rushing. I, I think we would all like to think he's going to be a top ten running back again next year. they got to get left tackle figured out, but I would think the the run game should still be a quality run game. Um, they need to get some receiver stuff figured out. Who knows what's going to happen with T.Y. They've got some nice tight ends. So I think his supporting cast will be a little better. Uh, coaching might be a little better. Offensive line a little better, even though injuries dictate a lot. And that that offensive line in Philly was banged up last year. He still so had the 11th most time. He should at least though. be a little better. He's, yeah. He still had the 11th most time yeah. to throw, even with that banged up offensive line, because they actually had pretty good depth. In, in Philly compared to what we had this year, which was not good depth. Uh, they, they had some, not very uh, good depth. Good, yeah. yeah. Good starters, but not great depth. Now, now what was the, does Heinz Heinz? Stock skyrocket? You know, you, you would think because yeah. I, I think with Reich, Heinz stock should still kind of be where it is. You know, Reich is going to get, you know, get the ball to Hines. That's what he wants in this offense. But with Wentz, if you look at his last two years with, with running backs, he hasn't been able to hit drags. He hasn't been able to hit screen plays. Uh, and he's kind of had the the unwillingness to, to, to go at them. I mean, just, I would say really go on Twitter and find that, that Mina Kynes and, and Ben Solak uh, conversation where he was talking about that. Um, so I don't know, like you would, you would think that Hines would just keep getting better from where he was last year, but uh, from where Wentz was going the last two years, it it wasn't super positive with hitting running backs in the passing game. Yeah, I would expect Hines receiving numbers to take a little bit of a hit this year, uh, just because Philip Rivers and and Andrew Luck really embraced that. And I don't recall Jacoby being like a magnet for running backs, really, just more scrambling around seeing what's going on. Uh, but yeah. Car- Carson Wentz is not a big running back guy, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But we saw Naheem develop into a little bit of a better runner this year. Um, next up, Bendy Dudes Only, Nate Kent. Nate our Kent sweet, himself. Our sweetheart. How early is too early to take Jordan Smith? Hashtag, <laughs> Bendy, hashtag Bendy Dudes Only. That's his first question. I'll let you answer that one first. I would I – would, well, yeah, you go ahead and, and answer it. 
Dude, I've been telling Nate all offseason to watch Jordan Smith. I don't even know if he's watched him when he asked that question. So who knows? <laughs> but I, I'm telling him because he likes those bendy guys, and Jordan Smith is 6'7", or 6'6", 255, and can bend. Uh, I think he's a bit raw, and he's probably going to get like a second-round grade from me. But, you know, if the Colts trade back from 21 and get to like that 28th pick or 30th pick, I'm all game for taking Jordan Smith there. I, I really believe in his potential. Uh, and it all depends what they do in free agency, obviously. If if they get like a Yannick Nagakwe or they get a um, Bud Dupree type, you know, you could still go Jordan Smith and have another really good player. Uh, but you could probably see them going another direction. But uh, if, if they're able, if they strike out on, on those top, top pass rushers, then yeah, dude, I, I'm all down for Jordan Smith, even late first round. Yeah, I was going to say first round may be too rich just because you could probably still get him in the second if you trade yeah. back. But yeah, anytime day two, second round, perfectly fine. Uh, and then his second question, how are the combine testing numbers being released this year or has that not been publicized yet? So my thought, I don't think it's going to be real time live action like we're used to getting. I I would imagine NFL communications what whatever I, I don't even know a whole lot of details about how the combine or whatever it's going to be will be conducted or if it's just going to be a bunch of private workouts and pro days and stuff but if they did i would imagine nfl communications will probably just send out scores and testing numbers for guys and then it'll it'll be up to it'll be up to the people on the on the email list to distribute that to Twitter. So that's I how was joking, I, it going down. I was joking with the Iowa State tight end uh, Dylan Soner when I was talking with him on a film interview. I said all he has to do is like run a forty and speed that video up by like one and a half or something like that or two and and just tweet out that he ran like a four two six at like two seventy. Like I, I think I think that's what everyone should Jesus. do. That's, yeah, I think that's what we should do. Oh, UK UK Colts fans is signing off. It looks like. All right, all right. Good night, good night, Elliot. <laughs> night, buddy. I love um, Elliot. Sean. Wait, real quick. I want to say before we jump into this, I love Elliot because whenever he tweets from the Stampede Blue page, <laughs> uh, and he's answering questions, I'll just see random uh, U's thrown into everything or O's or whatever thrown like rumor and color and stuff, and I'm like, Save oh, it's you. Elliot tweeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sean Bratton here said, uh, JMV, who has some connections, says there's a level of interest in J.J. Watt from the Colts. That could be fun inside next to DeForest Buckner, but not for big money or not the big money edge I want, only if he were a second signing DL guy. So, yeah, JMV JMV is one of the radio guys in this town I would listen to. Can't can't say you should want to listen to all of them. But JMB, JMB <laughs> definitely is someone who knows what he's talking about. So what he says, I would listen to. Um, I don't know. I would think most teams have a level of interest in JJ Watt, though. To be honest. Um, yeah, I must say to to that right there, I would say uh, you know every team has a level of interest in JJ. I mean, he's yeah. he's JJ Watt, you know, but. Yeah, I can see the Colts being interested. I mean, they've played against him for like a decade now. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 assuming he's get, they're going to be interested, but I don't think they're going to end up with him. I would say probably a team like Buffalo or even Tennessee yeah, with the Vrabel connection. That Tennessee with Vrabel connection makes sense. Um, maybe Cleveland because I've heard that one thrown around a little bit. 
but I, I don't know mm-hmm. about a. I don't think Indy's going to be one of his top three when it comes down to it. I don't think so either. I think Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Buffalo, Tennessee, those teams make a lot of sense. I don't know if Tennessee will be able to pull it off. They'll have to lose a lot of guys probably in order to make that happen because I think Watt still deserves decent money. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Cat guys hate <laughs> I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a cat. I'm just not a douchebag. I'm apparently a Canadian cat guy from. Yeah. Uh, so he Kansas City. he mixed you up. Yeah, he mixed you up with Jeremy. And then if there's any like Colts bloggers who are known for having a cat, I'm not sure. I don't even have a cat in my profile picture. I don't know how I became a cat guy, but yeah, I, don't I, know. I, don't, I have a dog. <laughs> He's really good at, at talking shit about Colts media members and saying things completely inaccurately. That's yeah. that's well, how my tips. That's show. how my tips with him have always started. Uh, this whole show is saying things inaccurately, though. That's that's the whole show. Like that's if you're tuning in, yeah. that's your that's it's what you're getting. Loud and it's just loud and confident, so people like that. Next question, Zach Carl, you've been waiting. Oh man, I love our comment section now. Zach Carl, you've been <laughs> waiting. Who is a day two edge rusher you like for the Colts? So we just mentioned that uh, Jordan, of course. Uh, that's that's who we've been talking about quite a bit lately. Um, I I like this edge class because there's no consensus about the top. There's no there's no top five guy, and I think everyone's top five edge rankings are probably different. Wouldn't you say that too? Uh, yeah, no, I, I like I, I'm only going to have the one first round grade. I think it's going to be Quiddy Pay because I, yeah. with his size and his ability to bend, I think. Bendy, but I don't think yeah, Bendy. <laughs> I don't think he's a finished product though either. Like I think he's going to have a good impact in year one, but I think it's a very very raw edge class, and it's kind of like a you know pick pick your flavor there because like day two guys, uh, and you know just to. Pro promo my kind of stuff here. I did the my first build a Ballard of the year. Uh, build a Ballard is basically where I look at all of the traits that Chris Ballard has kind of drafted at certain positions throughout his whole career uh, with with Kansas City and with Indy. I don't look at the Chicago stuff because he was just a a typical scout there. I think he elevated to a higher role later on, but he was mostly just a, a scout there. Uh, so it's hard to really say how much of an impact he had. But but in Kansas City and Indy, he's had a huge impact. I look at all the guys who, you know, fit traits-wise to what Ballard likes, and I try to narrow down kind of the whole draft class. And I just recently did my first article, and it was actually on edge guys and defensive ends. And Jordan Smith was the number one uh, senior bowl, bendy, uh, super explosive. Uh, but number two, pretty close to him was Peyton Turner out of Houston. Uh, Peyton Turner is a guy who I love. I think he can be a lot like an Autry type, but he can even play more on the end. Uh, I think he was 6'6", 270, had a massive wingspan, I think of like 35-inch arms, uh, which is super insane, and Ballard loves his length. Uh, One thing I figured out when I was looking through his stuff, uh, looking through his draft history, is the only defensive end that Ballard's ever taken with under 33-inch arms is D Ford, and it was like 32 and 7 eighths, so right below that, that threshold. So essentially that 33 inch is my threshold I look at with Ballard now. Uh, Peyton Turner is at 35 inches. And then another guy uh, who might sneak into day day two because he just had such a great uh, senior bowl and great season year before was was uh, Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa. 
uh, FCS guy, did not play this past year, put on 20 pounds of muscle going into the senior bowl, 6'6", 262, and he still moved really fluid and really bendy and really explosive. So I think he's a guy to watch. I think he's going to outplay his draft position, and I could definitely see him being a guy that Ballard falls for. Yeah, I uh, that's that's good that you said that because Senior Bowl is such a huge factor, honestly. Yep. Especially in some edge guys, it seems. Uh, you, I think you could throw Carlos Basham in there. Uh, maybe not the perfect. You know, I think you got to factor in left defensive end as well because they do see those as two different positions. So yeah, if we're if we're talking the the bendy speed rusher types, yeah, but it's. It's yours, Quincy Roach as well, uh, Dalen Hayes. It's hard to say because again, there, there's just no consensus on on the edge guys in this class. I will say, I will add real quick. Fun uh, fact: Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard has never taken uh-huh. a defensive end in the draft that was not at the Senior Bowl. Never in his entire time with Kansas City or Indy, every single defensive end he's drafted has been at the Senior Bowl. So keep an eye on those guys. And that includes Taekwon Lewis, who you could, you know, you could say defensive mm-hmm. tackle as well. Yep. Um, okay, next up, um, Edger and Nate. What does the future of the tight end position look like for this offense? Uh, and then Grant Ermitter also asked something about tight ends as well. Uh, he asked, who is a move tight end that we could net in the draft outside of the first? Um, so, of course, not, not Pitts. Um, yeah, so looking at tight end currently and then kevin also asked about trey burton so we just got to lump every question together here is what we're there gonna go. do yeah all tight ends <laughs> which, which also end by the way kevin welcome to the stream i'm glad kevin was in here by the way i want to shout out kevin because uh with the earth stuff he gave me credit on in his article he wrote the other day uh which was a really class mm-hmm. act great job kevin i really appreciate it always been a huge fan of everything you do so i uh, really appreciate that and but yeah you can you can start off now i just want to interrupt you like i always do <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah. So Trey Burton, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that's coming back. What's up, Jason? Um, yeah, Trey Burton, it just doesn't seem like it. They'll be looking at another kind of athletic stretch tight end. I would think, um, if I'm not mistaken, they've not drafted a tight end and they really haven't drafted a tight end in forever. It seems like like justice, justice Cunningham back in 2013, I think. So it's been a while. Uh, there's some decent ones in here. So, of course, not Kyle Pitts, but Brevin Jordan, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, those are some of the, the bigger ones you might look at. There's been the last couple of years I thought it might be time for them to take one. Um, but Jack Doyle, of course, not getting any younger. Uh, he seems to have a contract that some people are starting to have a little bit of an issue with. Uh, Mo Alleycox, I think we all know, you know, Mo can stay. So this might be the year that a tight end happens. Um, let's see. Yeah. You, <laughs> was that a burp, a burp no. or gag? Gag. gag. Okay, cool. I'm not um, that great. I have some manners. Oh That's no, this is, a, this is an unfiltered show. LeBron, that would be dope. Dustin, even at what, like 34 <laughs> years old. Uh, yeah. So you go ahead and touch on the Titans before I, uh, I get to Edger and Nate's second part of his question. <laughs> uh, Zach, you drinking the nasty stuff? Yeah, dude, I'm drinking this. What was it? That's Southern. The poll, that's the poll question, brew. Yeah, Southern Peach Jack Daniels. 
Shout out to my wife for having me drink all these. <laughs> but uh, the tight end, I still think Zach Ertz can be in play if he gets released. Uh, I, I stand by that, that there is mutual interest on both sides. It just depends if the Eagles want to end up releasing him or, or end up trading him to someone else. So uh, we, we keep an eye on that. I could see Trey Burton coming back. I, I think he, he played fairly well for them this past year. Uh, I could definitely see that, but I think they're going to go other options. Uh, I, I don't know if it will be, you know, it's interesting. I think Hunter Henry makes a lot of sense too, uh, yeah. especially because that those, you know, chargers ties. I don't know if he ever played under Reich. I don't think he did, but uh, just the ties to the Chargers organization itself. Uh, when it comes to the draft though, that they don't really draft tight ends. I think Eric Ebron is the only tight end who's been rostered by the Colts that was actually drafted at all. You know, like not just by the Colts, but by anybody, you know, Jack Doyle yeah. wasn't drafted. Trey Burton wasn't drafted. Uh, Moali Cox wasn't drafted. Eric Swope wasn't drafted, like all those guys. So I don't see them going the draft route with that. Uh, but I would say one guy to look out for who I know teams are a lot higher on than, than most people are. Cause he just didn't catch many balls was the guy I brought up a little bit earlier with Dylan Stoner out of Iowa state uh, played with Tom house at Iowa state these last couple of years and Tom house who has those connections to the Colts. I know that they watched Moali Cox and Jack Doyle tape all the time. Uh, and also he's a really good athlete. He's 270 pounds, but he actually was GPS clocked at 21 miles per hour on an interception at one point this year. We're like running down an interception, which is freaky athletic for a 270 pound guy. Uh, so if they want to get more of a blocking type guy who can develop into a receiver kind of like Mo. Uh, I could see them going that route, but I would probably put money on it either being Zach Ertz if he gets released or they're going to probably pursue like a Hunter Henry type in free agency. Yeah, I think. Just like you said, Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry both seem like really realistic options. I'd be all in on John Smith. I think he could be an upgraded version of what Trey Burton was supposed to be. Although Trey Burton, I don't think was bad. I think he did his his yeah. role adequately. Um, yeah, Kevin said maybe Johnu and Nate also dating back to Carlos Basham real quick. Are Carlos and uh, Terrell Basham related? I believe they are cousins. I because I looked it up too. Basham is not a common name. I think they are cousins. So there's that. Um, let's see. Next question. Is it quarterback preference? Actually, this is a tight end question. I lied. Is it quarterback <laughs> preference such as luck um, eh, or a true feature of Frank Reich and his system moving forward when it comes to tight ends? Uh, what could we reasonably expect for new acquisitions and what would you two personally like to see? So we, kind of touched on that but tight ends has that been a <laughs> yeah not so bad um so tight ends do you think that's been more of a quarterback preference or a frank reich thing because i think it's a frank reich thing oh it's a frank reich thing frank reich loves tight ends uh, 12 personnel attacking wow. with uh, he, he loves doing switch releases with the tight ends and getting them those one-on-ones he, he sees tight ends as a mismatch and that's kind of what they are uh, it'd be really nice if you had someone like a Travis Kelsey or even like a jo- like a, a smaller, like a Jonu Smith, uh, who has the athleticism to be a big mismatch. But uh, yeah, Frank Reich loves to scheme those tight ends into one-on-one situations, and it can be either jump ball, it can be uh, just boxing a guy out with your body and throwing it on inside leverage. Uh, Frank, it's a Frank Reich thing. He he loves those tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think Nick Sirianni spoke really, really highly of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, next. Mm-hmm question from Ivan Burden. I think I saw him on here as well. Yep. Uh, totally not off season related, but out of all the skill positions and uh, of, of all the skill positions and defensive backs, uh, 
So this eliminates linemen. This is kind of an adjusted version of a question we've answered before. Who would you want to have your back in a bar fight? Uh, he's going with Rocky <laughs> Sin because he gave that dude a WWE German suplex. So, yeah, we can't pick Quentin or DeForest Buckner or anyone like that. Uh, yes, Zach, this will be on all our normal, uh, all our normal podcast stuff. So yeah, basically outside players, who are you picking to back you up in a bar fight? It's Kenny Moore, dude. It's Kenny Moore. Like you need a nut job. Like we, we talked about this when we did it weeks ago, you need someone who's literally insane and Kenny would not back down from anybody. And I get to meet Kenny Moore. So this is, this is just a win-win. You You have a problem, sir. (laughs) <laughs> no let's see let's see besides besides kenny because obviously kenny yeah. uh george odom dude that dude's rocked up yes uh, george odom is rocked up like i i've talked to george odom on on um skype before and like dude, his head is a muscle like everything about him is a muscle like he is He's a strong ass dude he is a rocked up dude so yeah i would definitely go with him car willis is another good one but i think he's too nice yeah. he's just like I think he's he had that kind of like he's had some rough moments in his life where he could probably beat the crap out of people, but um, yeah, I would definitely Zach Pascal's a good one. Pascal would definitely, yeah. but I think again, I think he's too quiet and nice too. I need someone who's a little bit insane, and I, I think George Odom's my guy. I go with after Kenny. I think Rock's a good pick because he clearly doesn't give a shit. He did suplex <laughs> that dude, which is one hundred percent of the time a bad idea because like. Most of the time, it's probably going to be called a flag, and he just did it anyway. So, like, Rock would be a good choice. He has that wrestling background. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, Xavier Rhodes, if, if he's still there, that's a big dude. The the receivers. Pittman's kind of jacked up. Pittman's jacked up, but he's kind of a fun, fun yeah. going guy. I could see, I could see Kari. Yeah. Kari, so Kari is a quiet guy. I've, I've talked to him before. He, he's, he's a smart dude. He's composed, but I think he's got a bit of like, if you mess with me, I'll probably, you know, your ass is grass type of situation to him. Kari's a good answer too. I like that. Yeah. That, that was wait, good. They took the lineman away from us. I would say, wait, did they take away tight ends? Can I put Mo in there? Yeah. Mo, there you go, Mo. I mean, That's Mo's. Mo's a behemoth, dude. <laughs> in that instance, I would take Jack because even though yeah. Jack's a really cool, chill dude, he looks like a guy that would be with you in a biker bar and that people wouldn't want to mess around <laughs> with. He would absorb people into his beard. Uh, I like uh, Lucas's here. TJ Carey saw some stuff in his time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. That's no doubt. That is, that is for sure. Um, next one. Pick one from free agency. You can only pick one. Romeo, Aquara, and Carl Lawson, and Peter. That, that okay. So uh, this is a series of signings because these are all groups of people that already broke the rules. <laughs> all right. So pick one combination of free agent signings. Ready? Romeo, Aquara, and Carl Lawson, and I'm guessing that's Patrick Peterson, Xavier Rhodes, and Bud Dupree, and T.Y. Hilton, or uh, Hassan Reddick, Chris Godwin, and Shaq Griffin. <laughs> so where are we getting this money? Yeah, <laughs> Who's no, buying the team? <laughs> what was that last the, one? It was the South, Reddick. The, uh, yeah, Hassan Reddick, Reddick Chris Godwin, Godwin, and Shaq Griffin. 
<laughs> Dude, please give me the money to sign those three. Like, I don't – any of these, man. I'll, like <laughs> – if, if any one of these three is a massive win in free agency because you're getting like two stud rushers in each one. <laughs> yeah. See, now I could see, I could see the Xavier Rhodes, Bud Dupree, and T.Y. Hilton. That seems yeah. more realistic because yeah. you're bringing back two of your own. Uh, but I, I would take Romeo Aquara, Carl Lawson, and Peterson. I think. There, yeah, there's no way you're getting both those guys though. No, there's not. I already said that as like a pipe dream. Yeah. That last one. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> if you crazy. can get That's one right. of if you can get one of Lawson or Aquara, you've won you like it's a huge win in free agency. Like I've already said, I think, multiple mm-hmm. times that if you get Aquara in this out of free agency here, I don't care what else Ballard does in free agency. Like just get me Romeo Aquara and I'm happy. Like I really Carl do Lawson think too, man. Yeah, Carl Lawson too. I, I just don't think Ballard's gonna go after him because of those T Rex arms he has. But yeah. uh yeah, you know, he's got short arms and he's not a great athlete. But Romeo Arquar, even though combine wise wasn't a great athlete, like he's cut some weight, looks great. Uh, one of the most nuanced pass rushers I think in the league. And I really do think next to DeForest Buckner, we're looking at a consistent twelve to sixteen sack guy a year. Like I really think he can be a stud in this league. I like, I think Chandler Jones type of career jump. I think we can see that, you know, so I, I think Damn. I really want him. I don't know if Detroit's going to be that dumb to let him go, but I, I really want Romeo. Aquara. I kind of, I kind of wonder <clears throat> that. Yeah. Jason, that's for sure. He's that, that is such a prototype. Everything. Like Ballard everything. Yeah. Everything. Chris, Chris, if you are watching this, if you're lurking in the shadows, <laughs> you heard, you heard Zach's declaration. That dude is going to have a huge career jump. Um, Honestly, I I gotta tell you, I don't know how much of a poll this is, but just one. I see. I gotta get into the Miller Light now. I'm done with the Wemac drink break. Do you need to get something else, Zach? No, I I don't have much food here, and we got snow outside. Uh, oh, I didn't say food. I'm hungry. <laughs> I haven't eaten. <laughs> I've eaten granola bars and brownies today, and then drank this. Are you snowed in like that? That's what people who are snowed in eat. Pretty much, <laughs> you're iced in. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, so I was gonna say his brother now has has been drafted to the line. So I, I was a little curious about that. Like, does he want to stick around with his brother? I mean, I know money's a big thing, but you don't get that opportunity a lot to be able to play with your brother. So, yeah. uh, next one from the curious Colt: How do we think the disruption to the draft process has changed how Ballard values draft picks? lower due to less ability to vet players or higher due to the belief that there is more arbitrage potential or unchanged. Um, it's definitely so, changed a little bit. Yeah. I, but I think, I think this is a scouts draft. It's a film draft. It's, it's one where you trust your scouts above all else, you know, and does, does any GM trust the room more than Ballard? Yeah. I, I I think above all else, this is a draft where he really would want picks. Now I say that he just gave a third round pick for Carson Wentz, but you would think he would really want picks in this draft because he trusts his room so much. Yeah. Um, I think the process changes a bit because you can't have, you know, you can't have guys coming in for your top 30 visits. You don't have the combine up close, but you know, outside of that, it's actually nice because they get to talk to players more on Zoom and phone calls now. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Because with the top 30 visits, basically the way the process used to go is you'd have your combine, you vet all the guys at the combine, you talk to them, and you give them those really weird questions that always leak out on Twitter for some reason. And then after the combine, you get your 30 guys that you can have come to your facility and work out in front of you. But you don't really get too many Zoom conversations or anything like that, where guys now you can you can basically Zoom and talk with any of them. And and I'm pretty sure Decker has a huge role in that, Brian Decker, the player personnel. Yeah. Uh you know, the guy runs player personnel for the Colts. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it changes it a bit, but changes it in a different way. I don't think it's like a bad or a positive thing. Like, I, I just think it's it does change it. And I know it, it's frustrating from someone who I don't have connections with with teams, really. I don't talk to anybody with teams, but I talk to a ton of agents. I have a lot of agents that I'm really close with. And uh, it's a frustrating ass process for them. Uh, and I'm sure it is on the team side as well. But I, I don't think it changes too much of the overall process. Yeah. Next one. Ballard has a knack for adding more draft picks. Which players and picks could you see him trading to add more? Uh, so I don't really know. If, if the Colts were going to trade a player, it would be someone on the bottom of the roster, someone on the fringe already. Um, think of, like, who is – who is the defensive tackle they sent to Philly like last year or the year before? Um, oh, um, Ridgeway, Hassan Ridgeway. Yeah, that's it. It would be someone already on the roster bubble, so it 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 probably wouldn't be any of anyone of consequence. But I think his draft sweet spot. I think especially now that quarterback is in there, I really think twenty one. He's probably going to trade back from, especially yeah. since he he got rid of a third round pick. He has said before the back half of the first round is basically guys just running together anyways. So unless someone they love from – yeah, Jason. Uh, so unless someone they love from the earlier portion of the first round falls to them at 21, I my betting money is on them trading back and recouping some of the day two stuff that they're yeah. going to miss from these next couple years. The only players that come to mind just off the top of my head here – I think the only one that makes there's two there's two that make sense ish, uh, depending on where they stand with Ben Banigou, you could see that maybe. Yes, um, definitely. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't unless they really hit on like a big time edge in frequency and then another like like say they go Aquara and Kerrigan for instance or something like that. Then maybe Banigou could be on the trade block, uh, but that's something to monitor. I don't know where the where the standing is with that in the in the organization. Uh, then maybe Jordan Wilkins on the other side because he's close to getting off that rookie contract. Where is his role really for this team going forward? Because, you know, you're going to have the top two guys. You're going to have – it's going to be Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be Naeem Hines getting pretty much all the looks and all the carries and catches going forward. So where is Jordan Wilkins kind of fit into that? And do you just want to kind of go with another rookie as the third back? So I think those are the two you can look at, but I, I doubt either get moved. I'd probably say Wilkins is more likely to get traded than, than Banigou, but I'd say trading back from 21 and maybe even trading back further than that, like trading from 21 to say 28 and then trading from 28 to like 36, I think is something that could possibly happen. Yeah, uh, that's definitely how I see it. I just, there's, now I have a lot more guys to watch, but there's nothing that screams at me right now that they're gonna that they're gonna stay there at, at 21. I I don't know. I mean, they do of course have left tackle to address. So if they love like Cosme or something, then it doesn't all- feel like a it doesn't feel like a top heavy class at all. Like no, I definitely don't really see them staying put anymore. It doesn't even feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm just an asshole with my grading, but like it feels like it's 
you got your your division of guys who are like clear, easy top picks. Like, but I think there's only like four or five guys, and then it kind of drops to like, yeah, these guys can be good, but they're raw as hell. And then the, I think the sweet spot in this draft is that like late second and third round type because I think there's a lot of intriguing guys in there. But I don't think it's even like an early second round type of draft. Like I, I really don't like a lot of where like late first round, early second, or even even uh, mid first round, early set to all the way to early second. I don't like anybody like in that range. I don't feel super confident that I can't get like I feel like I can get a better player, not like a better player, but like a player with the same type of traits and stuff in like the late second or early third. So yeah, I, I think this is the perfect Ballard draft to trade back a couple times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the last pre-asked question, if the Colts trade for, and it happened, uh, if the Colts trade for Wentz for a day two pick and then they made a nauseated face, what do you think they do in round one? So the was Colts. This Max? Was this Max? Uh, yeah, it was Max. Yeah. It was Max. Uh, so <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Uh, the Colts traded for Wentz for a day two pick. So now what do you see in round one? We obviously just talked about trading back. But that'd be a cop out. Let's not say trade back. What positions do you think? Uh, either edge, tackle, or maybe receiver. Ballard doesn't strike me as a type who would take a receiver that high, though. But honestly, at this point, you might want to consider it if you're Ballard because, you know, Pittman was a good pick, and Pittman, I think, is going to be fine. But when you've taken some guys kind of mid to late, second round stuff receiver, you know, your Paris Campbell's and then you get to the day three stuff, your Deion Canes and Dries Fountains, you know, it's hard to count on those guys to be as productive as your first round guy. So I could see maybe a receiver if someone falls, maybe Waddle's injury scares some teams. I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe. Uh, but I, I would say it's either going to be a tackle or a defensive end if they stay at at that pick. Maybe a corner because Ballard likes drafting corners, but uh, I would I would bet on the trenches, pass rusher or offensive tackle. Yeah. That that's exactly what I would think too. You know, Rashad Bateman kind of stands out. Quiddy Pay has been tied to them in a bunch of mock drafts I've seen, but I don't know that he's going to still be there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, there, I mean, there's like smaller a, receivers that he normally would like. Waddle, like you said, could be there, but he's yeah. already returned from his injury. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like that's so far out, but I think. You could circle guys like I, I think Jordan Smith could be in play because I really do think he's going to climb up with more and more stuff. Uh, but I think when you look at the tackle class like Cosme, um, it's going to hurt me to say this, but Jalen Mayfield, I don't like his film yeah, at all, yeah. but I know fine. You know. <laughs> uh, Liam Eichenberg, I think, could be a decent starter there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they can get a starting tackle at that spot if they don't trade back. But for me, for me personally, when I look at it, you know, Jalen Mayfield, Sam Cosme, Dylan Radunes, all these guys. If you can, you can trade back and still get a guy like Dante Smith or James Hudson in that late day two, like mid to late day two range that I think can develop. So I, and I don't think there's that much of a difference. So I don't know. I would trade back and I wouldn't take a tackle at 21 unless like Darisol were there. Uh, Cause I think that he'd be a great picker. Maybe even Cosme. I really like Cosme's film. So uh but I, I I probably wouldn't go with tackle that spot unless one of those guys are there. You know who I, I was just watching today, and I'm very I'm very uh, confused on now. I guess was Rayshon Slater because short arms, short arms. Exactly. He's he's got a he's got like a center's build, but he does mm-hmm. play like a tackle. Like I see why why people like him, 
But I've got to think, just knowing what Chris Ballard looks at, I've got to think they probably see him as an interior guy. He'd be a top tier guard in the NFL. He's going to be a top tier guard when they when I he gets so. moved in. I another really guy like another guy like that just to continue the uh, trade talk. And and also I wanted to mention uh, Jason. I think Redunes would be a great great pick in the early second round range if the Colts trade back. Uh, yeah. But Te- Tevin Jenkins, another guy who I think the NFL is going to see as a guard, but. I, I would start him a tackle. And and honestly, I, I like that the Colts, I don't think the Colts value arm length as much as other teams, you know, like Braden Smith's a tackle right now. And he has some of the smaller tackle arms in the league. Obviously he was drafted to be a guard, but they've kept him at tackle with those smaller arms. Uh, but then again, they moved Danny Pinter inside because of his smaller arms last year. So who knows exactly where they're going to value that, but guys like, uh, and here, here's a perfect one right here. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, yeah. Uh, Tevin Jenkins and Slater, Rayshon Slater, all guys who I think can be good tackles in the NFL, but the NFL might move inside because they love that arm length stuff. And, you know, I, I get it. Like say Vera Tucker could be a top, you know, 10 guard in football, or it could be a top 15 tackle. Which one do you take? I'd probably take the tackle, but I could see someone taking them as a top 10 guard. So there, there's a lot of movement with these. This is a really good tackle class, but some of these guys will probably get kicked inside in the NFL. Yeah, and it's it seems like for tackles, that sweet spot might be the the late first, early second kind of area. Yeah. Uh, Sean Bratton said, would you rather sign and pay for an edge and wide receiver and uh, draft a tackle and cornerback? think cornerback can also be a cheaper sign. What do you think? I think what it's going to be just pure guess and – from a couple things I heard, but mostly just a pure guess, uh, I think you're, they're going to attack edge, and I think they're going to attack corner, whether that's bringing back Xavier Rhodes or bringing in someone like Akilah Witherspoon or, or Shaq Griffin. We've talked about that in past podcasts. I think they're going to bring in a corner and an edge, and then I could see – I'm almost certain that tackle is going to be like fully addressed at the draft. Like You might get like a, like a, vet, like a James Hurst-type guy who could be a decent starter or swing guy, at tackle and free agency, but you're going to really address it in the draft. And I think receiver, I could see them going with a kind of a veteran type and then going a little bit younger at the draft with that as well. Yeah. I, I think the smart money is to get, you gotta, you gotta do edge and corner with free agency. Um, Cause you don't want to have to rely on real young guys. You don't, you don't want to hiccup at corner. That's you have a enough real, young guys already at corner. We got tell Isaiah, yeah. uh, Isaiah, Rogers, Isaiah Rogers, uh, and yeah. then you got Rocky Sin. That's a lot of young guys there at corner. Yeah, uh, and Dustin Nelson actually asked, um, I, and I think I've seen it earlier in the show about Marvell Tell. Uh, I think he'll he'll be in the mix at cornerback. Um, something tells me Jonathan Gannon not being there is not great for Marvell Tell, but Tell already was able to move from safety to cornerback and get playing time. So he won't be a complete lost cause. I do think we'll see him compete for second team reps. Um, I, I do like him a lot. I was, I was kind of bummed we didn't see him this year, but mm-hmm. that's, that's not going to be a guy. They say, okay, we don't have to get a starter because we have Marvell tell, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll compete to be a backup. Um, maybe he surprises them really well in the off season and, maybe can can earn some valuable reps or play a role like TJ Carey was able to do, but they still have TJ Carey for now. But yeah. Uh, next one. Not sure. I've heard your thoughts on moving Nelson to tackle. So we, I think it's a good fallback. 
yeah, it's a good option. Uh, we, we've talked about just get the best five out there regardless of how that looks. I, I think you, of course, need to keep exploring left tackle options all the way through the draft. But if it winds up that that Nelson's your best answer, then so be it. But I definitely think you need to keep exploring other options until that time kind of runs out. Yeah. Like, you know, my my optimal offseason is signing like a Roderick Johnson in free agency who I think can start in year one and then getting like a Dante Smith out of ECU in like round three, you know barring that they trade back and they, they can make that pick. Um, I, I think that's the way to go, but say they, you know, say, say they don't sign like Roger Johnson type and then they draft Dante Smith or someone like that, who and they don't think they're ready to go. It's nice having someone like Nelson who can play left tackle. You can just kick him out, start Danny Pinter at left guard, and you probably won't lose too much overall. Like Nelson probably won't be as dominant, but you're still going to get pretty good protection on the left side. So I, I think it's great to have a fallback like that. One thing I I know both of us agree on is we do not expect someone like Trent Williams or someone to be no. in the plan. No, that's I don't too expensive, think- and their offensive line already is going to be very expensive. This time a year or two from now, when you factor in Nelson Kelly is already the highest paid center, I think. Braden Smith, Mark Glowinski, if he gets resigned, you know he'll get paid. So it's going to be a really expensive offensive line. You can't add an enormous left tackle contract onto it. I think it's an interesting question, Jason, because to me, Rodgers and Newsom aren't field stretchers. I think they're more of like you can attack underneath with them and they'll win after the catch. Because, I mean, I mean, Marmari Rodgers is basically like Debo Samuel light. He can run through guys and all that stuff. Uh, Daz Newsom is kind of like a, a little bit more juiced up Jamison Crowder type to me. Uh, so I think they're kind of more underneath guys who can win. But if you're talking about speed to win down the field and guys you can kind of get in like day three, um, I, I really love that Josh Josh Palmer kid out of Tennessee. I think he's a he's a blast to watch. Like watch some of his film. He's great. Uh, Frank Darby out of Arizona State. Uh, and these guys are both senior bowl guys, by the way. So just a, a plus to, to Chris Ballard there. Uh, Frank Darby, Austin Watkins out of UAB. Uh, that's another guy who's, uh, I think he's like 6'6 or something like that, like 200 pounds. He can win down the field. Uh, so I think those are some guys that you can see that uh, can win vertically. And then Daz Newsom's teammate, Diami Brown, is in this class. And, uh, yeah, he yeah, he wins down the field so quickly. Uh, he's probably the best deep threat in this entire class outside of Jalen Waddell. So that, that could be another round, another uh, option. I think he's going to be around uh, round three or so if they trade back. Sean, you mentioned Rondale, uh, Rondale Moore. That's to me, that's he kind of fits along that same stretch. You can do a lot of run after the catch type of stuff with him. Yeah. Um, he's he could be there in the first round, but I I think he'll probably be an early second round pick if I had to get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind of froze on me there, Jake. We'll see. Can you hear me? There we go. There you All go. Right. I was you yeah. froze on me, and I was like. Damn it. Okay. Yeah, we'll do one more because we're over the hour mark, but we don't have to go for like an hour 45 like usual. That that question from Raymond was a perfect one for you because there's not going to be anyone else who's more of an expert on uh, Jacoby Stevens than you. So this is a you question. Yeah, so Jacoby Stevens probably isn't much of a safety in the NFL. Uh, I, I love Jacoby Stevens. I think he's he's going to test better than I think most people expect, but 
probably where I would use him. Like you could use him as your third safety type, but I would use him more in that kind of star field safety, dime backer, money backer type role. Like, you know, you want him to have him around the box. Uh, think of how the way I've actually been comparing him lately. And I actually have fallen kind of in love with the comparison is think of how Jamal Adams is used in Seattle, where Adams is never really a deep safety. He's always around the line of scrimmage. Uh, he'll he'll man up on some slot guys. He'll blitz a lot, which Jacoby Stevens is one of the best blitzing players in the lead, in the in the draft. Um, so he can blitz a lot. Uh, he can you know play that zone coverage over the middle. He can defend the run. I think that's where you'll see a guy like Jacoby Stevens. You know he he's probably he'll be like listed as a safety and can play some safety, but you'll see him a lot more in the box, and that will free up uh, you know Kari and and Blackman to play a lot more of that deep safety together. So love Jacoby Stevens. Love his fit. I think the Colts. From the guys I've talked to, because I've talked to uh, both Missouri safeties who said they talked to the Colts and had good conversations, and they're both kind of that way too, where they can play a little bit in the box and play a little deep. I think the Colts want uh, a safety who can play in the box, or they want like a center fielder type so they can bring Kari into the box a little bit more. Uh, So yeah, I think Jacoby Stevens fits that perfectly. You can kind of have like a dime linebacker in Stevens, and also a guy who's a great blitzer, can cover in man. Uh, yeah, like Jake said, I'm, I'm the expert on Jacoby Stevens. I'm a huge fan. Uh, and I, I was lucky enough to connect with him this offseason, and he's even better than I expected talking with him. I mean, just such a great dude and really well-spoken, smart guy. Uh, I, You know, he kind of reminded me of Kari a little bit when I talked to Kari a couple years ago before that draft, where super mature and really smart guy who knows his shit. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that would be just a great addition to this defense. Yeah, we didn't see it a lot lately, but the Colts do have a plan if they want to use three safeties. They they can get three on the field at once, and there's so many sub packages. It, it could work if if they've got the right guy. They're not going to just do it with anyone. But I think they if were going to do it guy. last year. I think they were planning on doing it last year with Hooker Blackman. Yeah, with Hooker Blackman deep, and then Kari more in the box, and then obviously Hooker's injury took that away, and they didn't trust Tavon Wilson enough to to bring Kari in the box and have him out there, which for good reason obviously. And I don't know what's going on with George Odom, why, but he's kind of just more of a special teamer, I think at this point. So they, I think they're going to be in the heavy market for a third safety and it wouldn't shock me if they took another safety on day two, even though we wouldn't all expect it kind of like last year, Uh, we could see another day two safety pick from Ballard, I think. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they'll, they'll draft whatever, whatever position they, you know, matches the value there at the pick. Uh, but that is it for today's show, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on this live one. I really liked it. Uh, don't know when our next one will be. Maybe next week, maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but this will also be, you know, we'll put it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on all that like our normal show would be. Uh, so please, of course, remember to subscribe to it. Subscribe here to, to Zach's YouTube channel. Uh, give us a rating and review as well. We finally hit the U.S. football charts on apple podcast so not spain the best yeah we, we we have some other european countries and stuff that we're doing well in but we really like the united states um the, the best way for us to move up that is ratings reviews uh subscriptions of course but ratings and reviews especially uh but yeah you know get us on apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hicks two, and be sure to follow his written work on Stampede Blue and Cover One. Uh, as you heard him mention, he's doing a lot of prospect interviews and stuff right now, so that stuff's really good. 
Uh, that's uh, that's must watch TV. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, please send them to us through email at believeandcolts at gmail.com or respond when we send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online and eBay. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcast, please contact them at believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on just this show specifically, just shoot us an email. You'll hear from Zach and me again next week to discuss the latest on the Colts and or answer you guys' questions. Have a great night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.